against common decency and better judgment. This is episode 135 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. I'm thinking about my dinner in advance. I'm Carlos. That's Nevade. Profound words from you. Anyway. Indeed. So on this episode, we are going to discuss Dave's gambling ineptitude. But before that, we'll discuss more entertaining gambling Sort of ineptitude, but not really ineptitude. Um, maybe idiot savant is what I would go with, and I'll explain more on that. And then we will discuss a little AEW, talking a little bit about Forbidden Door, and a little bit of Blood and Guts, because that was better than Forbidden Door. Although Forbidden Door wasn't bad. I'll explain more, then more, on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. That intro was smooth. Indeed. It always is. So, because of well-placed and well-picked music by Carlos. Oh yes, well I I, uh, I exceed I beat myself and exceeded myself, and you'd know about that. Except you didn't see the live stream, and I recommend that you go to my sports card live stream and you watch the worst two, first two minutes. Otherwise, you're a garbage friend, and that mustache is horrific. All right, I will watch it. That's correct. Now, otherwise, what's up? Well, um, I will tell you, I actually watched a very good documentary series. Uh, Recently. I'm always kind of skeptical. I love documentaries, and you know that. Yes. And we've discussed that on this podcast before. But I'm always skeptical of multi-part documentaries, where you know the limited series that they do, because okay. it's like, is this going to be one of those things where, you know, they could have done this in one episode and it would have been fine, right? So yeah. I decided I would watch because I'd heard about it, I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know a ton about it. Um, there's a documentary on Netflix currently. I think it was a 2021 documentary called meltdown hmm. and it's about three mile island okay okay three mile island okay right and and you know so i'd kind of heard about three mile island but i didn't know a lot and i was like you know this to me is something i would like to learn more about i watched it there's uh four episodes each one's about 45 minutes and i can safely say at least from my opinion that this is one that definitely it was the right length it did it you know they could have made it one long one but each episode covered what I wanted to cover. There was sort of a theme to each one. And the people they got to they interviewed to talk was great. And the whole thing was awesome. So I yeah. highly and recommend this is it. And ne- this is on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's called mm-hmm. Meltdown. Uh, but it's about Three Mile Island. Uh, which is really interesting. And, and how, you know, how much worse it could have been. How there was somewhat of a cover-up. And how the fact that nobody really knows how much radiation escaped. Or what long-lasting effects it may or may not have. Yeah, I, uh, I'll say that uh, I am familiar with the event itself, given that I've watched a number of... Uh, sometimes I'll get on kicks where I'll watch disaster documentaries. A lot of Seconds from Disaster. I've probably seen every episode of Seconds from Disaster, to be honest. Um, almost all of them. And then a number of different ones that, that went, went that went with a lot of it, so it was kind of interesting. But um, yeah, Three Mile Island has been a classic. I didn't realize there was a newer one. That's why I asked about it. I, I was Googling it here. Uh, so 2022, so that's cool. That's new, so that's interesting. So maybe um, I've got one more episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds that I want to see on Crave, and then as soon as I'm done that, I'll cancel Crave and put in the flick on the Netflix to take a look at it. Although I did see the new Bond movie on uh, on Crave as well. Nice, it's good, eh? The new one, the new one's not bad. It's really long though. It's it's really exceedingly long. But yeah. the context upon which I watch it will lead me into my first story. All right, let's hear so, it. So, so some story time with Carlos. So I was actually watching the World Series of Poker because I've uh, I've basically flipped on uh, Poker Go because I, I I still like uh, I still like poker a lot. So it's one of those things I actually enjoy watching, and I'm happy to live stream. I'll watch the live streams of poker, especially if the coverage is decent and the Poker Go coverage is pretty good. And right now we're in the midst of the World Series of Poker. The main event is coming up soon, so that's going to be coming on uh, very shortly in the next uh, I think in the next couple of days or whatever. 
But yeah, this is World Series of Poker time. They got a lot of events and everything, and they were covering a lot of the different events on that Poker Go broadcasting platform. But I was watching, uh, I think it was called the Players' Championship. It was a $50,000 buy-in, which is uh, basically the kind of thing that means it's going to lead you to uh, you know, the best players. They, they're, for the most part, they're pros. You're not really uh, going to use a satellite to buy into the $50,000 buy-in one because you know, even if you could, you'd be then like, okay, so you're going to use a $50,000 buy-in to get into a small field full of predominantly professional players who will eat your lunch for right. the most part. So it's like, do you really want to get in there with the Sharks or do you want to participate in one of the other ones that maybe have a broader field and you got to, probably got a better shot? But anyway, right, yeah. so they uh, so they ran the tournament and it ended uh, and it ended this past weekend. I want to say it ended, um, it was between Friday night, sorry, no, it was during the week. It was like Thursday into Friday morning, something like that. I forget now. Uh, it, it was so long, it felt like it. Uh, so they did the final table is when they started the coverage. And the final table, I started watching it maybe about 8 or 9 p.m. And it just kept going on and on. No, you know what it was? It was Thursday into, into Friday morning because Friday we had Canada Day off. So that, that's what it was. So anyway, so, so it starts at a reasonable time. And it goes. And they're able to eliminate some players and everything. And it's going. And it's going. And they, and they eventually get down to, uh, to heads up. Now, it had taken some time to get there, but they got the heads up. And it's these two guys. It's this guy, for, uh, this guy from Brazil and this other guy whose nickname is Jungle Man. Now, Jungle Man is the defending champion. So I'm, I want to make that clear before I give more context. So Jungle Man is the defending champion. And the thing is, he has a, he has a thing where he, he's got a whole shtick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and his shtick is that he is basically a flake and a weirdo. Um, but the way this has manifested itself in, in this one is that he is Jungle Man Dan, except for this World Series of Poker, because now as they approach the final table, he went into his final form, Macho Man, Macho Dan Savage. So now he's Macho Dan. So just understand what I just said. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of Macho Dan, uh, and it will become abundantly clear what we're talking about. So this is him heading into the final table. Okay. So he's, so he's going... Doing his, he's doing his Randy Savage ripoff. Yes, but he's doing a combination of two. Now, number one, He's got the he's got the Randy Savage uh, costume circa 1990s, uh, and he was actually eating Slim Jims at the table at one point. So he oh, had that hey, going for points him. Points to that, I will give yeah. points for that. No, and he was doing uh, he was doing the Macho Manisms, the cream of the crop, the uh, you know that whole bit. Uh, nothing means nothing, funky like a monkey, and he was going into the whole bit, and he would just keep doing it. And Did you say, oh yeah, absolutely. And he had the hat, and he would do the gravelly voice throughout the course of various times, but. He's got the cape there, and the cape on the back says Savage. So he combined the Slim Jim Randy Savage with the 80s Ricky Steamboat WrestleMania 3 cape Randy Savage. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff. And he's basically, the World Series of Poker uh, belt there he's got, it's actually an AEW belt. So the, this man is just confused. There's a lot going on here is what I'm trying to say. I like it. I, you know what? I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. him. He committed to the bit. The important thing is he committed to the bit, went for it, and Dave, you'll be pleased to know that Macho Dan Savage... Repeat it as champion of the Players' Championship. This man is your champion. Solid. Back Solid. to back. Back to back. But like it. the other thing about it is that the final table was taking so damn long that I was uh, I had it on the one screen muted because I didn't need to hear the commentary and I could actually see the whole cards and stuff. So that was fine. Now, that's all I really need to just follow. I'm watching the chip counts. And the final table was basically this like titanic battle because the other player, even though with all the antics and everything, he was not getting distracted. He was staying in his game. 
He was staying in his lane and focusing on what he was doing. Made a lot of very shrewd moves. But as a result of that, because neither guy fell out of pocket, even though with all the antics, he was playing a pretty solid poker game. He would take some yeah. chances, but he was playing solid. And because both guys were playing solid, basically they were going back and forth. It was like this titanic battle where one guy would get a couple of pots and, and put the guy in the ropes. He's starting to get a little short stacked. And then all of a sudden the other guy would come back and double up and then chip away at the other guy. And they, they were going back and forth, back and forth. And it went on for hours. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It went on for hours. And the problem was um, the format was actually very slow. It's a good poker test because I think you had to play like seven different games of poker. And what happened is they would rotate them every couple of hands or every certain time period. So you had to play Limit Hold'em, No Limit Hold'em, Stud, Omaha, a variety of different types of games. So you have to understand all the different, you know, betting structures, understand the strategy of the different types of games, the different ways, and the dealers would keep swapping it out for it. And Raz was one of them. And I'm familiar with these. I've heard of them. But, like, there are different rules, betting structures, a whole bit. As a result, though, it wasn't like a no-limit hold'em where at any point you could just snap your fingers and the game ends. Right. Um, you could do that because you rotate no-limit hold'em. But I think both guys were very conservative in that piece because they were trying to avoid making the critical mistake that can end you if you just blew one pot. But as a result of that, it took hours and hours. It it took so long that I started watching it at like uh, 8 p.m. on Thursday. And I finally had to tap out because I had some stuff to do on Friday. I had to tap out at 7 in the morning, Dave. And they were still going. And when I tapped out, they were dead. They were at a dead heat again. They had gone back and forth. Each guy had had a chance to eliminate the other one. And they were back to a dead heat. Uh, after all those hours of, of playing. So like, I can imagine that being extremely taxing mentally because you're not only playing another guy who's playing really solid, you're also playing all these different games. And imagine if you forget something or you get out of pocket as far as a strategy on one of the games. And you can't, you're not gonna be strong in every game. There's gonna be some games that are gonna be a weakness for you. So you gotta understand how to play all the different games that they're playing. So like I said, as a test, um, it was a very good test. And it's just hilarious that the guy dressed up in the goofiest costume was able to repeat his champion on a very difficult format uh, after hours and hours of, of competing with the other guy. And the other guy put up a hell of a fight. So it was very interesting. So that is his second bracelet. The other guy, by the way, is a former bracelet winner himself. So both guys have at least had some success in the World Series of Poker uh, you know, tournament format. Right. Um, so both guys are legit guys, uh, That even if they're not the biggest household names. But I think uh, I think Macho Dan is uh, has elevated himself a little bit with the, being a two-time bracelet winner. That's pretty solid uh, for a prize of mere million and a half dollars. Of course, you know peasant dollars, peasant dollars. But that's at the, the but a lot. Of, if you go back at the field, you had multi-time World Series of Poker bracelet winners. You had Danny Negreanu, Phil Ivey, a bunch of pro, pros, pros, and top-tier guys uh, who have won hundreds of millions of dollars at in tournaments. So it's like. You were playing a, a real field of real guys. And the winner, of course, is Macho Dan. Think about it. I don't know if it's the cape or the belt or the hair or the glass. Like, I mean, there's so many things. The cream rises to the top, over the edge. The cream rises to the top. It's true. The cream rises it to the top. But the point is that uh, that final table took so damn long. There was, there was a stretch where I was watching. I actually watched episode nine of Strange New Worlds. And then, I, and then I was still sitting on Crave. And I was like, oh, they got the no time to die. I watched the whole movie. <laughs> While the final table is going on at the other screen, I'm saying, how are these guys still going? And that movie's like two hours and 40 minutes. I know, it's a long movie. I was like, holy crap. So I watched a, fe- a full feature-length film, uh, a TV show, and a bunch of YouTube while Jeez. the other one was going on. Daniel Craig is such a good Bond. 
He is, he is. But I think it was an appropriate finish for him. I won't spoil it for anybody. Y'all can watch no, it. No, I, I, I honestly, considering the arc of that character, like yes. of his particular character, yes. um, and the way they played him and, and, and the way he they sort of changed the character, obviously every Bond is slightly different, right? Yes. Uh, I, I think that it was a fitting end to that movie, the whole, and a fitting end yeah. to his time as Bond. It made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see. Yeah, and he had a 15-year run as Bond. Yeah, or it's a it long like time. I mean, he had, what, five movies? Six movies? I think five. Five, yeah, that's um, what I thought. But but still, like, a really good arc for him. And it was a strong comeback after the Pierce Brosnan era because they kind of ended a bit of on a whimper. Although I didn't mind the Pierce Brosnan ones. I didn't mind them. I, I didn't I mind it either, decent. but I, I, I felt they kind of got progressively worse yeah, and they did. more ridiculous, right? Like, GoldenEye is one of my favorite Bond films. Definitely my top five Bond films. I love GoldenEye. Well, the but, thing is, you gotta and, you gotta remember, it's traditionally Bond movies with the word "gold" in them. Are okay, that's true. Except so. for the man with the golden gun, that's kind of yeah. nah, not so much that one. But uh, but otherwise, you know, Goldfinger, uh, Golden Eye, both good, both mm-hmm. real good, strong. Um, so it's one of those things where, like, I think it's a good. It was a good body of work for him. But uh, he's in his fifties; he needed a break. Uh, it would have been silly to keep dragging it out further and further. What's going to be interesting though is now you kind of have to reboot again. You kind of have to, you, you can keep it going, but you, it, and they are, but it's like, now you have to kind of figure it out. It's like, okay, we're going to have to retcon this a little bit. <laughs> it's like, like I said, I won't spoil it, but I'm just saying, we're going to have to retcon this a little bit to make it work. Um, I also did enjoy a lot of the cast around it. I thought a lot of the cast was really good. Uh, so I thought they did a good job. I felt they could have done more with the villain. Sure. Um, in that one, like I didn't, I didn't think it was uh, necessarily as good as it, you know, it could have been with, with that. I, I feel they could have just made more of it and more of that story. I think maybe we're, for the next one, we'll just need to get Macho Dan. No, hey, I'm sure he's As an Ill. ally, a villain, something, Lord knows. Or Mach, oh man. There's a, I belong to a, a wrestling autograph resource group on Facebook or whatever. Of course you So it's basically, <laughs> it's basically a, a place where you can either like, ask for autographs that you'd like or sell things or you know they advertise upcoming signings and things like that right uh-huh and they um there's this guy that keeps advertising and it's a macho man impersonator but it's m-o-t-c-h-dash-o-dash-m-a-n-n is his name mm-hmm. and every once in a while it's like hey anyone want to sign anyone want to uh, book me so it's like a virgil thing Kind of, yeah. Mm. Maybe you should team up with Virgil. Could happen. I mean, their errors overlap, so. Well, in fairness, though, he would probably, uh, Virgil would probably try to charge him. He's like, I'm working with you! Yeah, but I gotta get paid, bro. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know, man. I don't even know. Scary stuff, scary stuff. But anyway, uh, so yeah. So that's uh, that's that uh, kind of interesting. Oh, uh, one more thing. Then I think before we uh, we talk about your gambling folly. So I gave you the macho the macho Dan, which is you know gambling folly, but entertaining gambling folly, and it obviously worked in his favor. But I will say, I got my shoes from the Dutch. Woohoo! Nice. It lacked metal albums, but I got my shoes from the Dutch, and you can see from some of the shininess off the light. It's, it's like very shiny. Patent leather, buddy. <laughs> That's a that is a Jordan that's a Jordan Eleven uh, stylized uh, more modern modernized version. It's a nice shoe. Uh, it, it's that's actually very comfortable. By the way, it is the Jordan uh, it is Jordan Eleven Comfort, and I can I can attest it is in fact comfortable. it is comfortable. It's actually a pretty cool looking shoe though. I kind of like it. I was like, okay, I can understand why the kids were like losing their minds back in the day when the Jordan Eleven came out. This is pretty sweet. I like it. I, w- I wouldn't pay the original going rate because the 
I think the regular Jordan 11s go for like two for Canadian dollars. I think they go for like 240 or 260 now. Like it's crazy. This was 160. And I was like, well, I'm getting a more comfortable version of the shoe and it's cheaper. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm not playing basketball in it. I'm, you know, I just want to have it. And, and it's a nice pair of shoes. Please, I'm, Carlos, we all know you ball. Listen, if, if I went out there, like, I would embarrass the children. It would be, it would be terrible. It's like, uh, do we have a four-point line? A five-point line? A six-point line? What if I just shoot it from space? You and just, the Monstars, man. You and the Monstars. Just saying. Like, it would have been... I originally was cast in that movie. The problem is I was too OP. So they decided to downgrade to Jordan and LeBron. It happens, man. They, they needed it to be. They needed to be competitive. They needed it to be more competitive. It would have been unfair, and I understand. That I understand. Makes sense. Like I don't take it personally. I understand. I understood their th- their logic and their thought process. Um, but yes, so they so they did get my shoes from the Dutch. So good job, good job, Netherlands. Ada, whoever did it. I, I didn't get my metal albums though. Like what the hell, man? Nice. My Burt Blylevin, my Burt Blylevin auto, my metal albums, something. Dudes, is it coming in separate packages? Like, what the hell? It probably is. I mean, yeah. let's be real. Okay, so now let's talk about your folly. What, we who, have gambles, who gambles on baseball regular season? What kind of an idiot? What kind of an idiot? Like, the same kind that would think that mustache looks good. But, like, what kind of an idiot would actually Carlos, bet on you, regular just season? Just for the record, you are in the minority on the mustache. I'll yes, but you're, you're surrounded by idiots. I've said this for years. Idiots. All of them. You look. Sometimes you want to bet on baseball. Sometimes you don't want to bet on baseball. You can bet on baseball, but bet on bet on a series. <laughs> don't don't bet on individual games. It's too random. Like it's literally random. What? A team could be great and lose seventy games. If they lose seventy games, they won over ninety. If they Correct. lose if they lose sixty games, they won over hundred, but they still lost sixty. <laughs> You're basically about a 50-50 proposition with a really good team. Yeah, that's fun. Whatever. It's not like I, I never bet like a crazy sum of money on it. But it does add up. It, that's the point. Is that I, I like? I like. I'm still trying, even with uh, house money. I'm still trying to win. My goal is to make that house money grow by whatever amount. I'll, I'll take a couple of shots. If I'm going to take a shot, I'm going with a parlay. I'll take. If I'm going to take a stab at something, I'll do a parlay because then you're getting really good odds on an individual game. What kind of odds are you even getting? It like barely two to one. You, sorry. On like a regular game, you're getting like barely two to one, unless the team's uh, like no, really you bad. No, you get better than two to one. It depends on the game, like. Um, it's the pitching matchup usually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's basically what they're looking at. But the problem is the pitchers don't pitch enough anymore. So I can't even like pitching match. But yeah, it helps. But if they don't go past the sixth inning, it's like, well, that leaves enough innings for the game to completely swing. And but yeah, pitching like, advantage. Here, let me, let me, uh, I just, as we're talking, I'm just, I'm not betting anything <laughs> right now, but well, I'm so going to plays. log in because I want to see, unless my phone dies, because it could die at any minute. Cause listen, who? Listen, are you trying to suggest that uh, you're not sitting there patronizing everyone's favorite person? Indeed. Not today. Um, okay. Right. So I'm just trying to see if games that have not started, the best odds. Oh, I'll change it. Sorry, where do I have to? I was gonna say for games that haven't started, you might be looking at tomorrow unless there's like a. I know, but I want to get. But I'm gonna change the. Just figure out how to do it. Change. Are you trying to switch from American odds to decimal? Yeah. It's well, a, right now it's like it's like plus you know two eighty or plus whatever, right? I think plus two eighty is like two point eight. I think. So um, all right. Maybe plus. So maybe of the games tomorrow. Yep. Okay, I'm just checking so far. What's the best? The best. So if you bet the ain't so far, yep, that's the highest. Plus one eighty-eight. 
Yeah, so that's less than two to one. Is the highest. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you're taking a flyer, but you're you're already kind of behind. You're not even getting two to one odds. So if you do succeed, it's like over time you you are losing a little bit on there. Because it's basically a fifty you're basically getting a fifty fifty shot, fifty fifty coin flip, and um even if even if something's almost a fifty fifty coin flip, that would be um it's around the odds that you're getting on betting on black or red on the roulette wheel. Okay, so 48-ish. Yeah, so you're like, because you're getting under half. You're getting a little yeah. under half. So, like, that's basically the odds. You're going, bet it all on black. <laughs> Red. Double zero? No, no, no. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, that's like betting on Trout being a good baseball player. Sorry, moving Ooh. on. My shot of the you day. went there, eh? Wow. <sighs> anyway, moving on for your follow. Okay, next. A uh, little bit of AEW Forbidden Door. So first one, uh, good show. I thought overall I enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not going to cover a lot of these matches because honestly, a lot of them are kind of one-offs. They're not can really going to be. Can good. I eat it on this one though? Mm-hmm. Because I'll take. I'm not going to take what back what I said, but I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, Osprey the Cassidy right. was the best match. I know, I, I, but I told you. Not even close, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, but, I, and, but the thing is, I gave you the scenario. I said if both guys decide they're just going to – because Orange Cassidy's actually really good when he wants – the gimmick, he, he lives the yeah, gimmick. Yeah, but, but the, the thing is, exactly, like he, his, his gimmick takes him in a certain direction, and he yeah. goes with that. Yeah, but with Will Ospreay, if you combine him with Will Ospreay, your intention is for being like, we're going to come up with an excuse for you, you're going to hit the accelerator, and we're going to showcase – literally we it's like a reminder that because the guy will turn it on and off at different times which is testament to his commitment to the to the gimmick and the talent he does have but he can just flip the switch and it's like all right now i'm gonna accelerate to put it up to 110 miles an hour what what the hell just happened it's like well now i'm gonna turn up and crank it up and both guys were able to do it and will osprey with his facial expression and everything sold like when orange cassidy was doing like his fake version of the kicks he just the look on his face he's looking at him like you're an idiot uh, and then, boom, he actually starts put land, landing the kicks and really and really hitting them in there. And both those guys can go in the ring. So if that if they decided to do that, that's what ended up working out. So that was pretty good. Now, let me quickly zip through a couple of these. I have the... Um, I have a, I'm not going to talk about anything in the buy-in because, honestly, I did watch it, so I don't know. I, I'll go back and scan Only it Only the fact bit. that the buy-in actually led to a match on Dynamite. That is true. That is true. Dan Housen came out and distracted the ass boys. Yeah, and, and I'll talk about that on the uh, Blood and Guts a little bit, so we'll talk about that here in a second. Although I do enjoy Max Caster's raps, I've got to say. Uh, he does his job. That's kind of the thing he does. Okay, so now, so start off with the trios tag team match. I'll be honest, not that compelled or interested. Um, it basically fell, though, to what I said earlier. It was going to be Jericho and that team winning because, you know, we're, we're going to Blood and Guts match. You know, yeah. that, that's pretty telegraphed, you kind of know. That's why I say, like, it, it was a good match. And, and I think this is the, the theme that I put behind this. There's a lot of, this is a good match, but it's a one-off, and you kind of know where we're going with it because we have a, we have a place we need to be. So, yep. uh, so we're going exactly. to get there. Agreed. But for the crowd, as a one-off match, it's fun. Why not? Uh, winner takes all triple tag team match here. ROH Tag Team Champions FTR, IWGP Tag Team Champions United Empire, and Rapongi Vice, Rocky Romero, and Trent Beretta. Can we just talk about how Rapongi Vice was robbed? <laughs> Go ahead. He, the referee counted four. 
here's the thing. He technically didn't. Okay, he counted he three. Did, but he did it in a very right. bad way that he made hit, it He work. counted three, yes. but he hit the mat four times. That is correct. The first one was basically like a setup thing. He, the problem is he hit the mat and people heard it and they, they believed it was like the first count. Because the referees are actually supposed to make sure your shoulders are pinned if we're using wrestling parlay. It's what they're correct. supposed to be doing. Um, but yeah, he made it look like a thing, and then and then everybody got confused. So did they start chanting? Didn't they start chanting? You fucked up too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they also did it another time on a different thing, but it was unrelated to that. That, that was not related to in the ring. There was another one for that. But yeah, and they thought it, it's like actually the referee did not. He, he did what he's supposed to do, but uh, did it in a bad way that kind of threw everybody off and and made him think that you had a three count when you didn't. So here's my my real question about this match. Mm-hmm. How do people who bought Six star FTR merchandise feel now. Well, uh, for seven star, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know, man. I, I've always thought the star thing with uh, Meltzer, as soon as he started going past five, it became increasingly bizarre. It's like eight star, nine star, 12 star. Is my, is my consistent beatdown of travel that's like 14 star? Does that count? Maybe 15 star. If I did it in the Tokyo Dome, 18 star, definitely always. <laughs> Yeah, like you, you got to do the Tokyo Dome bonus, you know. You got to add a couple to it. But I'm I'm happy with like I'm I'm glad I love FTR. Yeah, but the uh, thing is, they're they're great in the ring. They they do their job extremely well. They're very good. This was another really solid good match. The only the only critique I have, and this will become a recurring theme in the rest of this review. Where I'm doing this review very quick because obviously the show has already happened like a week and change ago. But yep. as I go through this review really quickly, my point is, Rapongi Vice lost. But for, you know, FTR, they will go on and do other things. They're good. The uh, United Empire, they got stuff they're doing. Good. What does Rapongi Vice do? Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's why I propose, like, maybe this would be a good opportunity for you to do a heel turn and, like, you know, give them something compelling to do. Because, again, uh, Gorin's Cassidy can do other things. You could have a best of seven series with him, him and Osprey, and people would love it. They'd enjoy it. There's things you can do with him if you want to. Uh, but, like, Trent Barretta and Rocky Mero, like, I don't know what they're doing right now. They're just there. So it's um, and there's a lot of guys that are kind of floating in space, but they can have good matches. That's not an issue. Um, I did enjoy that uh, they had <laughs> Tony Schiavone interviewed Juice Robinson and Jay White, and Juice Robinson is holding the U.S. Uh, the IWGP U.S. title, which is actually Will Ospreay's. Yeah. And Will Ospreay's on the show, and like, why wouldn't you attack him or something? Get your I know back? it was weird. It was. It honestly felt like, well, Tony Storm's in a match, so let's put her husband on here. No, but the thing is, like, it makes sense. There, There is a connection, given that he has the belt, that Will Ospreay, who's also on the show, actually is the title holder. I know. So, but, but it would have made just, sense for them to have an interaction. That. Yeah, I'm saying Will Ospreay and Juice Robinson should have had some kind of interaction. Absolutely, or just yeah. other than him just sitting in the audience, because yes. why is, otherwise, really, why, why, I mean, that's why I made the joke about, you know, hey, Tony Storm's there, but why is, why is he there if he's not going to, right? Yeah, I think I think they wanted the visual of him holding the belt. Which, by the way, uh, I'm not a belt collector, but I'll be honest, Dave, I love the IWGP US Championship. It's a nice. It's a nice. I, I love that belt. I think it looks fantastic. Like those belts are expensive, but if I if I saw if I was uh, if I had the opportunity down the road, I would love if I redid this office. I would grab a couple of replica belts for a couple of things. I, I want the old UFC belt. I want the one with the big UFC that gold belt that, that I thought that was really cool with the plate. Um, I would grab that one. I would grab this IWGP US Championship because I think it's an awesome belt. I like it. I think the AEW belt is a beautiful belt, the the proper belt. I think that's a good one. And the other one I would go with, um, there's one more WWE one that I really, really like. Oh, you know what was really good? The NXT UK Championship. Mm. That is a really nice belt with like the crest on it. I think that's that is, that's a beautiful belt. A nice 
Yeah. So there's a, there's a handful that I would actually wouldn't mind much, having. Much just better than the just regular NXT. Way better. Way better. I think there's a handful that are like a mate would be amazing as display pieces, and the ones that I just named you off are probably four of my top five. I'd have to think about to come up with number five, but those are classic. Oh, maybe the Winged Eagle. The Winged Eagle was a classic too. I was gonna say that's yeah. that is probably the most the most classic one. Yeah. So th- that would be probably like in- inadvertently there's like a top five belts that Carlos would display in his office uh, there if go. he was gonna do such a thing. So there you go. There's a little bonus top five for y'all. Okay. So let me move on here. Again, I didn't mind the Juice Robinson cameo. I just wish it had led to something. And that, and that is going to be a recurring theme for the rest of this review, so let me move on. <laughs> I wish it had led to, yeah. Yeah, I just fair. wish it had led to something. Uh, All-Atlantic Championship match. The Bastard Pack versus the Redeemer Miro, Malachi Black, and Clark Connors. Clark Connors impressed me. Clark yep. Connors impressed me. I, I, I did enjoy, again, he was just kind of the random toss-in at the end. But obviously, they saw something in him. And if you remember, I alluded to that. I said, if they're putting this guy in the match, they probably think, like, this is a potential showcase piece for you. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win. This is not your part. Your job is not to win here. But we can still make you have a moment and he was clearly the smallest guy in the match and he was still able to have some moments and you know get a little offense of miro and bounce around a little bit his job was to be the guy that gets bounced around in this match yeah and he did it well and i was really but i was impressed with him i thought he did really well and the crowd got into him like towards the, towards the end of that a couple of sequences he did the crowd was into it the crowd the crowd in chicago loved him so i thought that was great and good good on him um the surprise obviously is not miro winning but the bastard pack um, so long story short, I'm okay with it because Pac has been a long time guy with AEW. Uh, he's a guy who probably should have had a title by now. So, and this is not a terrible way for him to do it, especially if it's like a touring title. I mentioned to Dave before, uh, we started that apparently his first defense is going to be at Rev Pro, which is the same time, which is, uh, Will Ospreay has one of the, has their cha- championship, I think as well. So, um, no, if it's going to be like a touring thing and Pac can go around and have the title and the title looks nice. The title is a nice looking title. Uh, AW on the whole does a good job with their titles, uh, design-wise. So if it's going to be him getting the opportunity to defend the title in a couple different places, representing the company that way, I'm okay with it. But um, I want to see then I want to see then something from Miro, unless unless of course, and I've given the caveat, I will accept this outcome if this is merely an avenue for us to have our destiny, Hostile Championship. And there's well, several I, I, guys I, who need this need this the problem is carlos i don't think it is no i don't think tony kind of seeing my vision i need him to see my vision the hospite championship is what the people need they don't even know they need it but they need it that's the thing right this is they don't know they need it but they really do like all of a sudden it's like all of a sudden keith lee stock goes up miro stock goes up warlow i have something for you what hospite hospite and then when the moment is right because if they're able to continue doing some good things with ring of honor uh, right now, he's got something to do with Ring of Honor. It's good. When the moment is right, you can bring back Brian Cage. Because he, all of a sudden, who? here's another great guy that fits beautifully into my newly minted Hoss fight division. Yeah. Another one. Perfect. Perfect. And I can build your matchups. It's like, dude, we got this. Don't worry. We can have a Hoss fight every single, on Rampage. We can have a designated Hoss fight match. Let's do it. I know. This is greatness. Greatness. Otherwise, I enjoyed the match. So did, did you at least, uh, did you enjoy the match? How did you find that one, this one for the All-Atlantic? The, the match overall, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I was I was thinking, it was kind of, it was good. Like I felt it was one of those things that the the matches at the beginning of this card, basically everything up till like Osprey versus Cassidy was good mm-hmm. or, you know, above average. Yep. And Except I didn't think the first match was that great kind of there that's fine yeah but other than that yeah and then it kind of just started to go downhill from there mm-hmm. 
I think it's good the that the part. black. I think it's good that the black mist was used to take Mira up because at least that's logical. Because yeah, Mira right, the, and it and it yeah. gives you, it gives you a bit of an out, right, as to yeah. say why he didn't win. Well, you know, because I think a lot of people were expecting Miro to win, mm-hmm. and then he didn't. But it's not like he didn't get beat clean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think helps. Yeah, it it protects Miro. Like he was exactly. able, and, and because he he was showing out great in that match, and he was and he was being a powerhouse. He was being he was being a hoss going out there, and people were bouncing off of him, and he was overpowering them, using a ton of power, and showing off a lot of that. And in the end, uh, in the end, he was, uh, you know, he had he had black mist in his eyes, so he was he was distracted. He wasn't able to participate in the in the conclusion of the match. So let's go Bullet Club, uh, AW Tag Champions Young Bucks, and El Fantasmo, who I didn't know anything about previously, but fair enough. Uh, versus the dudes with attitudes, and that what a name! Uh, I think that's a callback to Sting's past, though. Uh, so Darby Allen, Sting, and Shinjo Takagi. Uh, Takagi. Yeah, I mean, I like the opening. Yeah, Sting it, is a is a crazy, crazy individual. I did call that though, didn't I? I said I said that they find ways to have Sting splash and jump off things. It's kind of the deal. But I will say, and and, and everybody goes crazy because it's Sting. Yeah, but here's the thing: a review did a very good point. Usually it happens during the match. In this case, they did it at the beginning. Very sneaky, AW. We were expecting it, but we weren't expecting it at the beginning. We didn't see it coming right there. Good move. Good call. Because they pointed the ceiling, right? And you're expecting, at that point, you're expecting him. They're giving you that he's going to repel from the ceiling. Yeah. You know, sleight of hand. Yeah. And then he doesn't. And you're like, what the hell's going on? And then he jumps off the entrance tunnel. That's right. So I, look, I like the sneakiness. I like coming up with a clever way of doing some of doing the trope a little differently. You mixed it up a little bit. That's good. And and by the way, the crowd was into it. Sting I did. did I job. did appreciate. Sorry, I did appreciate Tony Schiavone on this. Did you, you catch what he, did? You catch what he said? Uh, well, I caught a couple of things he said. What specifically are you referring? When to? he says it's Sting. Yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly. Right, that's and then he goes, "Well, I've done my job for tonight." Or yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's very self-aware. Like, that's like, he's I, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I can I can call it a night now. If you notice though, during that special show, they rotated out the third man in the booth. They did, and, and, and they and they did that on on Dynamite on Wednesday too. To be blunt, I like it because it mixes it up. Because Kevin Kelly is actually quite good, so I didn't mind having him there. He did a good job. Taz was doing a really good now, job. I Ke- think he was Kevin Kelly is he like the American announcer for New Japan? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. he so, used to be on WWE too, right? Yeah, absolutely. For years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, he's a good broadcaster. He knows how he to is. do it well. He knows how to do it very well. And, right. like, this made perfect sense. Like, the, the move, they were able to shift and rotate. Shivani had a match. Jim Ross did a match. Like, they were able to rotate people in and no, out. No, I don't, I don't mind that, especially considering the, the event that it was. Yeah. Right? But I, got, I, I think I it's also good bringing in Jim Ross as, like, a closer. Like, I like not trying to use him for everything because I find that sometimes he loses his voice. So I was like, well, then I just had him do a couple of, of key matches, and then he can – conserve his energy and bring maximum to that specific it's the sting thing all over again sting is in his 60s you're not going to have him wrestle 25 minutes it, it's actually if you uh, somebody was keeping track it's been months between matches for him which at this stage in the game is perfect sting should just be a presence he hangs out there he's there he's present but he's not wrestling a match every week he's not wrestling a match every month it's every it's becomes it's more special if you if you put it for special occasions, all right. Today you're this time you're Chicago. You're getting the Sting match. Oh yeah, Get and you also you also don't want him having you know that many matches at his age and his condition too. Yeah, right? you want it, it's better it. for everybody. He can have time to relax. As he can fresh have time as you to can. yeah. He can be fresh. He can be if he's got any injuries, he can work through them and then uh, get healed up, and he's he's just better off. 
Um, all right, skipping ahead a little here. Tony Schiavone interviewed uh, Yumino, and uh, Chris Jericho threw a fireball in his face. He's still a wizard. Apparently. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so the AW Women's Championship match. So Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm, some awkward moments in between, but for the most part, they're both professionals. They're both pros. They know how to do it. I was okay with the match, except it ended like with the final reckoning, which is an ode to um, it's an ode to um, Dustin Rhodes, mm-hmm. who trained Thunder Rosa, which is great. That's fine. Uh, here's the part I don't. Here's the part I don't like, which is what I said before. Okay, Thunder Rosa won clean. Now what? Well, exactly, right? And it's not that Tony Storm did a bad job, and she accounted very well for herself. And again, it was a solid, decent match for the two. But it's like it felt like the end of a story that wasn't a story. Where, where's the? Where, we just had a match. But like, what's the next? Like Tony Storm could theoretically, you know, they could try to do it. Like, oh, we'll do a rematch. Why? Like. There was no shenanigans. There was nothing like off or anything like Thunder Rosa won. Clean. Final reckoning. Yeah. So, and it's like, okay, well, Thunder Rosa, back to the shelf you go because I, I got nothing for you. Britt Baker is bu- Britt Baker's kind of busy right now. And like, it would make no sense for her to randomly be a challenger. That doesn't make any sense. No, um, there's, there's nobody that, the only person that I, I think would be like the next sort of step realistically would be Jade. But Jade's got a championship, and you, you, do you and really she's technically want... got a feud, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, true. She's involved in a feud too. It's not like, but you also don't want, right now, at least I don't think you do. One person, hold, one woman holding both belts. And the thing is, even if you wanted to do that, uh, she's still too green. She is better in the ring, like she is doing better. But she's still only like 34, 35 matches in. Like it's not a lot of matches, so it's like. She's done well with the way that the, her presentation has been solid from day one. Basically, they've gotten this right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like she's holding this belt. But at some point, somebody has to take this. If you want her to compete for the main championship, then somebody has to take this other belt off of her so that you can keep rotation going. Um, you've got to have that. Um, and I, there's no logical challenger right now. There's Tony Storm would have been a very logical one to, to challenge. Again. Some shenanigans at the end, a little heel turn, some frustration or something would have at least given you the impetus for the next match. But now you're like, okay, so what's Tony Storm doing now? And what's Thunder Rosa doing now? Yeah. Like, literally both of them walk away like, okay, I, I have nothing for either one of you? Question mark? Yeah. It seems like, like a bad no, move. Exactly. No, there's no logical place for you to go with either of the people. Yeah. And again, to be clear, that's only Tony Storm's second loss. And her only clean loss, she's nine and two, so so it's so fine. She'll get another couple of wins. She'll get up to 11, 12 and two or something. Like her record is still sparkling on the whole part. One of her losses was to Britt Baker and shady and shiftiness, and she was able to avenge that and beat Britt Baker clean. So great, all good. But yeah. like I don't know what's next. I got nothing. So it's like well, that's why I say you made the cardinal mistake. The one thing I said don't do. <laughs> the one thing. The outcome is fine, but how? But what we what we got out of it is like, but now now what? Like, I'm, I got nothing for either one of you now. Okay, fine. Uh, IWGP United States Heavyweight Title Match, match of the night: Will Osprey versus Fresh Squeeze or is Cassidy with new theme song. Yeah, great match. Beautiful. Yeah beautiful match great stuff like for the two guys it's a match and it it re-emphasizes orange cassidy is is a very good wrestler uh so it's uh it's good stuff good stuff okay uh next one zach saber jr taking on the newest member of the black cool combat club claudio castagnoli yes yeah 
and uh, deservedly so. Uh, someone may have put on Instagram uh, <laughs> a card. That I did. I did appreciate the Cesaro card for reasons, you know, for reasons. Uh, so yes, um, and I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed his presentation. I think the song is kind of fun. I like the little jumbotron thing he's got going on. They got like the fist with like the uh, the cross for Switzerland and all that. And and he's in great shape. Like he's he's in phenomenal yeah. shape. Um, he still looks as strong as ever because that dude is strong as an ox. Um, he did give Zack Sabre Jr. a lot, but Zack Sabre Jr. is like a top-tier wrestler. Like, he's a great technical wrestler. It was a little weird, a little uh, weird how they structured that match, but it did give the two guys some time each to showcase different things. Uh, Claudio got to showcase a lot of his power, which is crazy, and he is a great technical wrestler. They did the thing with the swing and all that, so that was great. The crowd was in, the crowd was huge. The pop was huge that he got. He got a huge pop for it. Great reaction from the crowd. It was good. Uh, he seemed to enjoy it. I did enjoy the... Uh, almost pulling off the uh you know the the surprise finish right off the top boom running uppercut which by the way is a great looking move when he does it like the running uppercut he 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 knows how to do it he throws yes. his body into it and it really makes it look good agreed uh and then hits the neutralizer and it's like oh <laughs> it almost looked like he was gonna win the match in a couple of seconds uh and then they they got a decent like match out of it it was pretty good and and the right thing and it was a good way to set him up to build him up then for the blood and guts match we'll talk about it in a minute but otherwise, anything else you want to add? I, I enjoyed the match for what it was. I, I like the introduction. I like the reaction of the crowd. Uh, correct outcome because he's got something to do on the Wednesday, so we have to set him up. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to add to that. All right. I did enjoy. Here's a line, too. Uh, this is from Jim Ross. Make no mistake. He's a pro wrestler, not a sports entertainer. Ha! Ah! Ah! <laughs> Take that, WWE. That's Jim Ross saying it. Suckers. Anyway, moving up. All right, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match. Switchblade Jay White taking on Adam Cole, taking on other Adam, Hangman Page, versus the Rainmaker, Okada. I really didn't like this match. It was janky at different times. It was a, I think the, uh, all the guys know what they're doing. They're all very good. Um, I feel like the structure of the match was janky. Now, from what I understand, it's possible that Adam Cole actually had a major concussion early in the match. I yes. caught the closing sequence, which made sense because it looked like there was an issue, so they kind of had to call an audible. So it was kind of an awkward finish. Um, but, uh, yeah, if he had a concussion early, it was it was a mistake. And he also has a torn labrum. Like, he had that issue going in. So it's like he, he is banged up, and then he got banged up worse. Um, and it's like maybe you should have, like, called an audible and because they could have continued as a three-way, and it still would have been really good. Uh, and I think it might have actually been a little easier if they hadn't had to work around a problem. So um, yeah, and and he, Jay White was gonna win this match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's keeping. So, he was keeping that right. Tight. So the fact that if Adam Cole had to come out of it, it's not gonna. You know, it's not like you're drastically changing the outcome. I mean, you might change have changed the finish. Yes. Uh, but the outcome's not gonna change. Yeah, my my biggest disappointment, honestly, uh, and like I said, I think the injury had a lot to do with the jankiness. The finish was messed up because of that as well, for sure. Uh, I think my biggest disappointment is that is that you didn't do the rainmaker spot. Mm. I, th I think you, you bring Okada out here, you have him hit the Rainmaker on somebody. It doesn't finish the match, but have him hit the Rainmaker. You teased it a couple of times, but it, it, he was never actually able to hit it. And I was like, well, you got the crowd there. The crowd's into this. They, they, they're they cheering for the Japanese guys. G give, them, give them the moment. They even yeah. did the camera thing where he was going to set it up, and they did that big camera zoom thing mm -hmm. uh, that they do in Japan. Give them, let them hit one. Just let them hit one on somebody, and then have somebody else break up the pins so it doesn't result in the end of the match. For sure. That was a missed Agreed. opportunity on my part. So I, I think you, you have to call that spot and do it. So let's scroll through here. I'm just scanning through. Overall, like I said, the crowd actually held up the fight, the match very well. So it was good. 
Um, but otherwise, there were some missed opportunities there. Uh, AEW Interim World Championship match. Uh, John Moxley taking on Hiroshi Tanahashi. Great match. Solid. Uh, they got into Tanahashi. Uh, once the match went for a little bit, they started to get into Tanahashi stuff. So I think it was really good from that perspective. Moxley's solid. He knows what he's doing. Um, overall, the correct finish. And I did appreciate that they, they called uh, the finish as the Death Rider, which is what they call it in Japan. So, so like, good call. Well played. So AEW Interim Champion, John Moxley. And then obviously uh, they continued forward and had the uh, and have the um, the piece where they're going to give him a, where they're going to give him a defense because they're doing a uh, because I, th- I think it was I want to say on Rampage they did like a um, a battle royal. I haven't watched it so I won't speak to it, but uh, obviously they set it up so that he could have a challenger right away, which good. In the me- is an interim champion have him defend the title a couple times because it'll keep things interesting, keep yep. things fresh. Um, in the meantime, until Punk's ready to come back. So let him do that, and I think that's yeah. better for everybody. Uh, that was the one thing I, I am looking forward to watching that match. I have not watched it either, but... Yeah, so I'll check it out. I'll scan through I it. I totally plan to. Yeah, so let me skip ahead now. Let's do Blood and Guts here, and we'll uh, finish up on that. All blood right. and Guts on the whole, I thought, really well done. I did appreciate that they focused uh, the entire second hour on the Blood and Guts match. And there's a couple of specific things I want to touch on with that, so we'll get to that here in a second. All right. So, for AW, uh, Dynamite, Blood, and Guts, uh, they started off with all ego Ethan Page taking on Freshly Squeezed Orange Cassidy. They're coming off a great performance and everything. Uh, they uh, they did have it. Now, uh, here's my critique on this. I think the match is solid. I think the match is very good. Here's the problem. I like all ego Ethan Page. I think he's excellent. And I think you have to, at some point, give him something where he... He's in a lot of good matches with a lot of folks, a lot of high-profile matches with some folks. But he's kind of in the same problem that Scorpio Sky has. Whereas Scorpio Sky at least has that title. But they've never been presented as like... It's almost like you're treating him like a um, like a high-end jobber. Mm. He's basically he's basically like what Lance Archer was for a while. Like, we know he's really intimidating. We know he's really strong. He looks really good. He will destroy some people for a while. Build them up. And then set them up to be fed to somebody. At least Lance Archer, though, did get the IWGP US Championship win against John Moxley on a TV on a TV taping on a TV show, so like he actually got to win a title on TV, uh, so it was really good. So he got that, so that was good for him. But yeah, I want to see something for Ego Ethan Page because he's he's really good. He's got the character work. He knows how to be a great heel, but at some point you got to set him up to actually have an opportunity to actually win a title because he's gotten a lot of good opportunities, a lot of great showings. But he's a really good wrestler. He knows what he's doing. He's like a 20-year veteran. Like, he actually knows what he's doing out there. And he's a strong guy, and he's put himself in great shape. So it's like, take advantage of it. While he's in great shape, he's healthy for the most part. He knows how to wrestle. He's got a great character. And he can talk. Like, if you let him, he, he can talk as well. So he's he's got all the tools. Just let him do yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see. Whatever. Okay. Now, this next one I did like. So Tony Schiavone, to, inter- to interview Christian Cage, I am enjoying... Uh, Christian Cage, as he enters into smarmy Christian Cage territory. I do like me some smarmy Christian Cage. I'm a big fan. I mean, uh, you called that from the very beginning, right? Of course. As well, yeah. right? You said, you know, heel Christian is the best, and it will happen. Absolutely, 100%. It was only a matter of time, and, but here's my point. I actually like the direction they went with this. This was not exactly what I was expecting, but I actually didn't like it. Because smarmy Christian Cage, my favorite type of Christian Cage. See, I like Christian Cage, heel Christian Cage, in general. But smarmy heel Christian Cage, Dave, wah, chef's, chef's kiss. kiss, chef's kiss. So he goes in and goes double down on Jungle Boy's family. Love it. Your entire family's dead except your mom. Love it. Love us. Smarminess. Love it. All right. And 
he he basically says, "Well, I'm not the one who's going to wrestle the match. Bring in Dark Luchasaurus. Yes, yes. Ah, to just destroy Serpentico. It was glorious. We love Serpentico, but you know what we love more when Serpentico gets destroyed, especially by Dark Luchasaurus. What's that to love? I mean, I mean, and honestly, I think the way Luchasaurus wrestles and and some of the matches Luchasaurus has had." I feel that it, it, him being a heel works. Yes. But if you notice, here's something for you to keep an eye on. You will notice he dropped some of the high flying, not not as many flips, a little bit. He he relied a lot more on standard kind of big man power moves. If he's going to wrestle as different styles of heel, that's actually good because it gives you a distinction between the two characters. Yeah. Yeah. As Dark Luchasaurus, he's focusing a lot more on the power game and really nailing some, because he's a big dude. Like he's a big dude and he's in shape. You know he's on Big Brother, right? What's that? He was on Big Brother one season. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. But uh, yeah, I think I, I like the look. I like the presentation. I like the new music. He's got a new music as well to go along with it. So like, I, I'm appreciating it, and I'm appreciating Christian Cage continuing the theme. Because when he initially turned, he said, like, well, I'll use these guys for money. I'm not here to help out young talent. I'm here to make money. Well, I may as well ride this out and get <laughs> ride it out until the wheels come off. I'm like, yes, Marmy Christian Cage, yes. You know Honestly, this is it's a good thing to do, and it's good. And I, I feel, I think, if they do it right, and mm-hmm. it continues to go right, that I feel it could be the best thing for Luchasaurus and for Jungle Boy moving forward as well. Yes, absolutely. Jungle Boy will come back. They will feud. It'll be a thing, and the dark Luchasaurus will be a part of it. Like, I like Correct. it. I think it's a no good like, package. And, and probably, my, my guess is that they'll probably rejoin forces together. Very possible. It's going to be interesting to see how it works. The point is, you have options. You have but options having a singles team. run. The two of them having a singles run, yeah, is a good thing for I think both of them in the yeah, long run, especially exactly. especially for Jungle. You know, as one of the so-called pillars of mm-hmm. AEW. Yeah, but also Luchasaurus needed some personality. He didn't have any. A lot too. Other than being Luchasaurus, so being dark Luchasaurus right now, like it works. It gives him something. Christian can be a mouthpiece for him right now. Like it actually, as a presentation, it's just been upgraded. So it gives him a little bit more to go with. I also did appreciate it, uh, given that they were over in the in Chicago. Uh, he goes, the only thing the Scumbag City has going for it is that you're close to Canada. Close to Detroit. Sorry, it's Detroit. Sorry, it's Detroit. That's right. For the for that one, they were in the uh, uh, the um, Little Caesars what? Arena. Yeah, they call it Little Caesars now. Sorry. He goes, uh, but I also appreciate it if you if you caught the reference. Now you're Motor City Sweathogs. Ravishing Rick Rude, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got it. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, exactly. So I like it. I like it. Dark Luchasaurus comes out, destroys Serpentico. Everyone loves it. All right. Uh, interviewed, uh, then Tony Schiavone interviews the TNT champion, Scorpio Sky, and Wardlow. Yep, fair enough. So, like, good, good, I'm hoping. I, but I kind of need I kind of need Wardlow to win it. Like, uh, you know, let's, let's move on. Let's get the title on Wardlow, and then we'll go from there. I mean, we can do open challenges and stuff. Just get the title on the guy. Scorpio Sky does really nothing for me. In ring, he's very good. But he's got the same problem right now that Ethan Page has, where it's like, in ring, you're both good, but like, I'm not feeling it. Like, to be honest, if you separated the two, Ethan Page has the bigger upside right now. And I like Scorpio Sky in the ring. I think he's solid. But it's like, you just don't have a personality <laughs> without somebody else there. It's just weird. But anyway, whatever. Okay, so let's move on here. Uh, oh, and they're going to do it in a street fight, which should be all right. I think that plays well. Um, okay, Trio's tag team match, the acclaimed. Platinum Mass Caster, Austin and Colton Gunn with Anthony Bones and Billy Gunn versus Danhausen and FDR. And the people were jacked up that FDR came out. They were freaking out. And of course, to me, the most important and critical thing, I love Danhausen. I enjoyed Danhausen. He got a little offense in there. That was good. 
But to me, the key is Billy Gunn has turned on the ass boys, sort of ish implied. And the miraculously healing powers. Anthony Bowen did walk. <laughs> <laughs> Which we all knew was coming. I feel they could. I feel they didn't do that. Execute that as well as they could have. No, it happens. Like it's one of those things. Like I, I got it, but it's like, look, they're kind of a comedy act. The thing that they're doing. And here's the thing. I still enjoy it. I think that well, I, I, I still think Billy Gunn is I do. It's weird though because I slightly feel slightly uncomfortable. I don't. Every time he says "scissor me, daddy ass." That's literally the point. <laughs> That's so, literally the point. It's just so cringy. It's just so cringe every time. Yes, like, correct. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, ah! And it's, oh. Yes, correct. But it works. No, no, I, I'm not going to deny that it doesn't work. It, it works beautifully. It, it's just so cringy. Billy Gunn knows exactly what this is. And he's just rolling with it. He's having a good time, man. He, he is he, having a great time. He thinks there. it's hysterical. He thinks it's hysterical. Like, look, he's, he's the guy who had to try to make Billy and Chuck work. By comparison, this is way less cringe than Billy and Chuck. Way less. On the scale of cringe, way. He, he had to be rockabilly at one point. He goes, oh, this is a thousand times better than some of the shit I've had to deal with. Yeah, that's true. One thousand times better. That's true. Such saying. Just think of, think about that. And there was, um, what was the name of it? Um, there, was the, there was a brief stable that he and uh, Road Dog had in TNA when they couldn't call themselves Road Dog and Billy Gunn. They couldn't call them the... Yeah, they were um, Voodoo Kin Mafia. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, Voodoo Kin Mafia. It's like, this is such a stupid name. This is such a stupid gimmick. And I think the road dog is high. Super high. Moving on. All right. Uh, Sunday Dunn was backstage with Jay Lethal. Sorry, I'm saying, don't really care. But fair enough. Whatever. Uh, it'll lead to a Samoa Joe match. The, the match will be fine. Uh, okay. Jade Cargill with Stokely Hathaway and Kira Hogan taking on Layla Gray. Uh, this was a weird sequencing of events. Um, so, like, Layla Gray had a good showing. Uh, good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they basically badmouthed Athena and Chris Atlander so that they came out. And then Layla Gray uh, attacked them after she just lost the match to unofficially join the baddies. After Stokely Hathaway said something to her. And then Jade was like, not aware of this or not into it, but here we are. And Jade is asking for more competition. Like, I, I don't know. It's a little convoluted. Look, fine. the match was fine. Uh, the, the post match was weird, but I'm sure they'll get a chance to talk through it later. But fine, whatever. Uh, just a little strange for me. Uh, uh, they got to figure out though what the end game is with the Jade thing because pick who you who pick who the one is going to dethrone her is. I don't care what it is. You you could pick Statlander or Athena, and I'd be happy with either one of those outcomes. Yeah. But just pick one. Pick one, and one of these two ladies should we, probably take the title. We haven't seen Athena wrestle a match yet, have we? Um, I think I've actually. I'm pretty sure I have. Like not like not on Dynamite or Rampage, have we? I'm not sure. I'm not sure now. Because I don't think I don't think we have. Like she may have wrestled on dark. Yeah, I'll double check that. I'm curious now. You got me thinking about that one. I'm not sure. Here, I'll, I'll look it up. Up, right? I'll look it up as we yeah. continue. All right, AW Tag Team Chance are backstage, so they have a little talking thing. Fine, whatever. Blo okay, and then and then it went to the Blood and Guts cage match. Okay, so I'm not going to go over each individual component of it. I did like it. I thought it was good. I think it was very amusing. Uh, they were trying to do a lot of stuff in this match. I did appreciate, there was one spot that they eventually finally gave up on, which is probably a good thing. I won't, like I said, I'm not going to talk about all the stuff that happened in the match. But I do think that it was very funny when Ty Conti was trying to pass Chris Jericho a bottle through the cage and they were struggling for like half an hour. <laughs> it just was taking forever. It wasn't happening. <laughs> it was so good. 
I will say for the most part, match was very satisfactory. A lot of people got in their bits, in their in their whole bit there. Uh, so very entertaining. Uh, Claudio got to come in and clean house a couple of times and got to do a ton of great power moves. Again, building off of the, the great reaction he got. Awesome. Now, if you will notice, there's certain things they did that were very good, including the needed spot off the top rope. Sorry, off the top of the cage. By the way, Kudos for reinforcing the top of the cage so everybody was able to maneuver around. It was solid. It was solid footing for everybody. No Very problem solid. there. It, Very solid. A, I will give them credit for that. Games. We often knock the technical work. Yes. And that was the, it was on point. They, they nailed exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. They nailed and it. And so was the crash onto whatever he crashed onto. But this is the key, I was about to say. And another and a podcaster made an excellent point. This was one of the great critiques of the first Blood and Guts match where Jericho went off to the set, sort of secret mattresses and pillows and foam and it looked like crap. Um, but this time, first of all, Sammy Guevara is a better guy to do that kind of a move. Better kind of a, he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a daredevil stuntman himself, and he knows how to do it. But secondly, uh, it gave it, you know, you were able to give it to, um, to Eddie Kingston, which is great. Uh, the crazy look on Eddie Kingston's face after, he sold it beautifully. But the stuff he landed on, it looked good. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I guarantee you it was extremely safe the way they did it. And he landed prime right in the middle of it. By the way, the camera angles were also better. Everything was 100 times improved over the first iteration. The camera angle was correct for this type of fall. The landing platform was better set up. It looked 100 times better. So the crowd was able to get into it. You didn't knock people out of it. Beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so like, great. And even the interference pieces were all logical for the most part. Uh, having, uh, it, it was just funny to me because uh, during that one pace where Ty Conti, like, takes out the referee it's like well she is a judoka she literally is a person who studied like brazilian jiu-jitsu it's like it's just funny that right now she's a valet and it's like we forget that she actually has been a wrestler <laughs> for a while and yeah. has competed in combat sports legitimately but uh and then ruby soho comes out to uh to kind of you know uh, even the odds and stuff it's like that was all fine like it was, it was silly but it was Speaking meant to of that, just according to the i don't know in, in what context but according to the roster page on AEW. Uh, Athena has had two matches. So I'll bet she Dark. Her, I'll bet Dark her career and 2022 overall are, she is 2-0. and Okay, so I would wager probably uh, Dark or Elevation then. Uh, she's probably had a couple matches on there probably. That's probably where I would see them. But yeah, for the most part, good. And then obviously the um, obviously the Blackpool Combat Club slash you know Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz were going to win. Correct. Playing off of it made total sense. Like I said, the match itself went basically an hour, the better part of an hour, so it was solid. The fans got their money's worth. Plenty of blood. You got thumbtacks. You got broken glass. You got chairs. You got everything. Everything you asked for, you got. Yep. Um, plenty of people bleeding all over the place. Uh, forks and you know barbecue skewers. You got it all. You got it all. Um, and in the end, Claudio and Eddie Kingston both had submissions, but Claudio is the one who got the tap out, which made Eddie Kingston go, no! Which is, I, th- I thought was a great finish to the match. Correct. And potentially yes. sets up a lot of storyline. But if you'll notice, that was a result where you got the result you wanted to. It ends this story, yes. But that finish in Eddie Kingston's reaction actually potentially sows the seed for a thing. It was the exact opposite of what I got in the Thunderosa Tony Storm thing. Correct. It was the, Correct. It, you, you gave me room. Now I have footage of Eddie Kingston looking perturbed that Claudio gets the credit because they have history. Now you can revisit that later if you want to. Yes. We're good to go. Like, there is a path you can take. You don't even have to do it right away. You can come back to it later. But we've got the footage. We can, we yeah, can for sure. pull it at the right moment. For sure, for sure. For it's sure. like, 
That was the correct ending. This is the difference between Tony Khan giving a shit about where he finishes with this. Like, the final visuals and everything were set up well. And then we finished the show, and here we go. From here we go, we'll figure out where we go from here. But uh, Jericho and them were slain. The, the Jericho Appreciation Society was defeated. That doesn't mean they're gone forever. They may be back at some point with their mesh shirts. Live the dream! Let's not, let's not, let's not live that one. <laughs> we can pass on that one. So Dave is such a critic of fashion. Like, what the hell, man? Just, I don't, I don't get it. Just not, not feeling. Just terrible. Uh, but yeah, overall, good, uh, good dynamite. I lo- I like the dynamite. I thought it was dynamite. With- Top to bottom, I felt like considering they focused mainly on the blood and guts match, which by the way was the theme of the show. The crowd was into it. It was great. Uh, I thought it was a well structured show for two hours. It went back. It went by like that. You did. It was really good. It did. Which is sounds to me like a solid show. It went really well. I thought I thought it did very well on that. So anything else we want to add on that one? I uh, no, I don't think so. I'm just okay. I'm happy to see uh, Claudio there. Yeah. Uh, and it's good. It's good to be able to see where it goes with his character and whether they're going to give him a mouthpiece or whether he's going to talk because he hasn't talked yet. Uh, but I like it. I like I like him in there. I thought it was good, and I thought the match was great, which is good. Now it's just a question of. With a lot of things, where do we go next? And I'm very curious. I, you a... know, I would love to see more attention given to the women's division as a whole. Like, I would like some attention. I would matches. like some attention. Maybe any. Night. Yeah, right now attention is like at a one out of ten. Like I, I'd like, I'd like to see like a three or a four. Like I'm not, I'm not even asking you to crank it up to ten. It's like give me a three or a four, because right now it feels like there's a lot of stuff in your women's heavyweight, your women's championship, your AEW women's championship is in limbo. Like we literally have a champion who has no logical place to go from here. A lot of her obvious, you know, a lot of her obvious opponents are either currently occupied or have already had a, a, a championship opportunity. Who, who's left? Statlander and Athena are both focusing on Jade right now, which by the way is a good spot for them. That's great. That, that makes sense to me. Serena Deeb, you already had that match. Um, you did the Nyla Rose one, but you didn't drag it out as long as you could have. Um, I don't think Ruby Soho is anywhere near. She's kind of semi-feuding with Ty Conti, at least for the night. Um, who else we got on the roster that would make sense right now? Yeah, that's the problem, too. Like, unless you literally want to go back to Britt Baker again, like, right away. It's like, but the, 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 it literally makes no sense. You're just shoehorning it in there, like, just for the sake of doing it. She's your biggest star you got left who, do, who isn't necessarily predisposed right now on something. Like, okay. Uh, I don't think it would work right now. You'd have to build it back up and figure out a way. Uh, maybe Hikaru Shida comes back. Shida would be one that was at least a former champion. At least you name who maybe they haven't encountered each other. That wouldn't be terrible. You, you're almost forced to bring somebody from the outside, just to have a just to have a champion. It's almost like, you know, pick up the phone, call Billy Corgan, and go. Can we borrow Camille? Because at least it makes sense with the NWA title connection, because uh, they were both NWA women's champions. Yeah. So like, I'm basically forcing it. I have to open up the forbidden door somewhere else to be like. Can I borrow somebody? Um, so it's like, mm, I got nothing. Uh, so question, uh, what would you like to see for Claudio if it's not an Eddie Kingston program right away, if it's just something in general? So right now he's Blackpool Combat Club, so you could go in whatever way you want to do with that. What would you like to see Claudio go with? Because you can do some stuff with him. He can. He's a good wrestler. He can do a lot of stuff. I, I would eventually, not now, because the way it's going, I would eventually like to see a, a, a Claudio Wardlow feud. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Did you uh, like the little? Did you like the little? We the people homage though during the blood and guts match. Him and Jake Hager, they the crowd was like they they like stared down each other and it was like we the people. Yes. Claudio had a lot of tag teams he made work. He was able to get a lot of tag teams work considering WWE never really 
gave him the ball and was willing to let him have it. Because it's like Jake Hager and friggin' Cesaro made no sense at all, but they still made it work. You mean Jack Swagger? Yeah, but it was a funny moment. It was a good. It was a good one when the two guys got to stare each other down. It's like, ah, we know that reference. Well done. Well done. No, I, I like. You know what? I like. I, that's something I like about AEW, is that you know they're not pretending. I mean, there are WWE does it every once in a while too, but they don't pretend that other companies and other storylines don't exist. Yeah. Right. And I and I like those. You know, if you're a, a wrestling fan and you pay attention and you know the history, mm-hmm. then you you catch these little Easter eggs every every now and again. Which right, if yeah. you're just watching, if you've only ever watched AEW or you only watch AEW, you may not catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I do enjoy those moments. I agree. And there's one of those things where, and sometimes the reference is kind of obscure because I knew a little bit about it, but like think about it, if and when they come back to the Eddie Kingston, uh, Claudio thing. That's from Shikara. Tell me what you know about Shikara. Nothing. Correct. And I know a little bit, but not much. Like, I haven't really watched much Shikara. But I know they had they were having a legendary feud in Shikara. They were doing a lot of stuff. So they've got history to draw from. And they didn't ignore it. They said, like, well, Eddie Kingston doesn't like, doesn't like Claudio. Why? Oh, they have some bad blood going back years. Ah, interesting. Okay. Now you can go to the Google machine, fire it up if you want to, and find out a little bit more about Claudio and Eddie Kingston and Shikara. And immediately you'll know more. There you go. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It's like sometimes make, make people go to the Google machine. Go to the Oracle of Knowledge and learn. Learn under yeah. the learning tree. It's fine. And it's not a bad thing. And then you can pull back from that history and go like, yep, these guys have met before in another in another lifetime, in another place. In, in, a, ga- in a galaxy far, far away. Yep. And right. we're going to bring it back. <laughs> and they're going to slap the hell out of each other. And it's going to be funny. Yep. All right, good stuff. All right, so I think then that's good. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see. I didn't get a chance to see Rampage. I'm going to watch it here a little bit later on tonight and get that done. But otherwise, I think it's a good episode 135. I think we're good to call it a wrap on this one. Indeed. Yeah, we'll see how the rest of the summer plays out. It should be some fun stuff. Again, I'm hoping coming off. This Blood and Guts show was really good. The Forbidden Door one, solid. Again, I knew a lot of this stuff was one-off, so I'm okay with it. But... We still have some work to do. There's still some more things that need to be done if you want to. And there's a lot of injuries. The good news is the roster's deep. It's like, it's like you know, Mariana's Trench deep right now. Like, they can pull people left, right, and center that, are, that can go and immediately fill in the slot. Next man up, we got a lot of them. That roster yep. is deep. You can go deep into that bench and still put together great matches. But you do want to start building up. Again, I want to see Ali go. My wish list right now for the summer for Tony Khan. I want to see Ali go Ethan Page really get a more prominent role. I think he's great. I think, I think he's really great. I want to see the women's division get anything. I'll settle for just about anything. Let's start, let's start somewhere. Give me something. I don't care what it is. Give me something. But I need a reason for there to be that women's championship. Do something with it. I don't care what it is. Do something. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the, you know, the uh, TBS championship, great. But Jade has to lose eventually. Figure out who that is. Give us a path to get us there, and I'm content with however you want to do that. But get us a path, because then Jade can do other things, maybe compete for the heavyweight championship. Maybe that's the deal. Um, you know, the AEW Women's Championship. Maybe that's the thing. But she's got to lose somewhere and at least continue to build up her thing. And she can be pissed off about it and go on a run, you know, devastating the, the countryside. Whatever. I don't care. She just needs to have a reason. Right now, she's just kind of coasting along and racking up her wins, and it's just it's good. I like the manager as a mouthpiece as well. She can talk, but I like that he adds something to it. That's good. But she, they're right. She does need some better competition. And whether that's Athena or Statlander, she does need better competition. You can't keep throwing her uh, 
you know, folks off the indies. And uh, she's going to look good, but eventually you have to let her have some marquee matchups. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. So that's good. So we'll be back uh, coming up uh, right at the tail end once again. Banner at the end. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Otherwise, go watch it on the fucking YouTube. Go do that. Check. Go watch it on the YouTube. That way you get hand gestures. And And the first two minutes of Carlos's live stream. At least. Listen, I'm not even joking. Watch it. Be horrified. That's all I'm saying. That'll be it for us this time around. We'll catch you in the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.